Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 119th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that returns to your wallet even more than Watsi returns to Ravnica. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection and collection management, and speculation. One quick message from our sponsor, Face-to-Face Games. Face-to-FaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the U.S. and Canada. Check out face-to-face games price card pricing via mtgprice.com, whether you're building your deck or stockpiling a spec. I'm your host, Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter, and my guest co-host this week is Cliff Daigle, uh, Word of Commander, and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good morning, all. I'm glad to be here. Uh, James is off uh, doing silly Canadian things. Looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. Please remember this show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Oh, uh, how are you doing this week, Cliff? I'm doing pretty good, Travis. School's almost done. GP Vegas is coming. My giant-ass light-up sign is almost ready to attract cubers at the Grand Prix I'm going to this summer. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the uh, the end of the school year matters more for you than it does for some of us that have been out of that game for a while. I'm sure that's pleasant. It's a game I'm never going to leave, brother. I, 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 I do appreciate it when school lets out, though, because there are like four schools on my commute to work. So once <laughs> that once school's out, the traffic drops by fifty percent, and it's just it's just peachy, just peachy. <laughs> all right, what's our show look like this week, Cliff? Well, we've got three segments this week, Travis. First of all, we're going to talk about the top movers. There are some kooky cards on the list this week. Then we are going to talk about our picks of the week. We've got some delightful ones. I can't wait to talk about some of your picks. And finally, we're going to talk about announcement day. Uh, we don't have a big GP to talk about uh, since we covered Birmingham last week, but there is so much going on in that announcement day, a lot to unpack and a lot of meaning to talk about. So let's dive in. Okay. What do you got for us? Well, first of all, uh, jumping by 100% is Gilded Lotus Foils out of Meriden. Uh, Everybody loves original foils. And this, since we get a reprint, now the original foils are starting to creep upward. It's gone from 22 to about 45, 100% gain. And if you're not playing Gilded Lotus in your EDH deck, you're doing it wrong, unless you're monocolor. Yeah, Gilded Lotus is extraordinarily powerful. Uh, and I think every time this gets reprinted, it's just going to come back, right? Like we're, this, is, this is always going to be a card that climbs from a reprint unless they start doing it three times a year. Even then, um, no, not three times. Maybe twice. Twice it would it would rebound, but I don't think three. Okay. <laughs> uh, following that is Eye of Ramos from Mercadian Masks. Uh, we have foils from two two fifty to five. This is uh, is obviously an old card. It's it's a blue monostone. It's three mana artifact tap for a blue. Uh, I don't see this being used anywhere. Um, I mean, the only place it's legal is Legacy, and nobody's really playing it there. So this is just people mopping up old foils. Hey, don't forget, it sacrifices for a blue. It almost gets you your mana back. That's true. 
Uh, next up on the list is Kataki Wars Wage out of the original Modern Masters, which was uh, 2013, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah 2013. Uh, Foil Kataki has gone from 12 bucks to 25 It's a super popular sideboard option in Modern. It's got the uh, upkeep artifact tax as a 2-1 for 2 mana. Just exactly what every Death and Taxes deck wants to beat up on annoying affinity decks. Yeah, Kataki is just such a a brutal sideboard card uh, against Affinity and, and, and Snaring Bridge and a couple other strategies. Uh, so she's she's taken a while to move in price, but it looks like she finally bottomed out there. Uh, following that is Impending Disaster from Urza's Legacy, 12 to 25. Uh, this is another just old card. Uh, this one is the two mana enchantment. Uh, if During your upkeep, if there are, are seven or more lands in play, sacrifice this enchantment and all lands so it's a slow armageddon sort of i mean in in edh it's basically just a two mana armageddon with suspend one um so a pretty powerful effect i don't think it's really all that popular but uh it's out there i guess but again this is in legacy foil so that's definitely where that went this seems really high on the list of things that will get you immediately uh, targeted out of the game. But uh, if that's the kind of deck you like to play, more power Yeah, I can't you. think of an effect that uh, turns friends into enemies faster than mass land destruction in EDH. Very good point. Uh, let's see, where are we? Next up is Mirren Crusader. The foil out of Modern Masters 2015 has gone from 7 bucks to $15. Uh, he's seen some play in a couple of modern decks, and there's two printings to choose from, but this one has managed to double up, and if you've got some foils handy, this may not be the end for this one. I really like Mirror Crusader as a uh, a spicy card in modern because it dodges everything but Lightning Bolt. Yeah, Mirren Crusader has always has been on the fringe of modern for a while. Uh, every time a white deck, like a, an, an aggro white deck, gets popular, he goes up in value. Uh, he attacks through Tax and blocks for Tarmogoyf. He's amazing against Jund. Um, he was great against Poison. Well, that was legal. And now that Fateful Push has gotten very popular in Modern, he's gotten better because decks moved away from Lightning Bolt and to Fatal Push, which means Mirren Crusader is just even better than he used to be. So I still don't think he's a heavy main deck card. Um, but if we ever get to that point, that price will move some more. Uh, and it, he would be actually be quite more, quite a bit more expensive. I think if modern masters two hadn't really taken the wind out of his sails. Hold on a second. I got to want to look up what his creature type is too. Cause if I'm right, yeah, he's a knight too. Let's not forget the knight synergies going on. Oh yeah. We did get all the new knights. We did get all the new knights. Uh, then Spore Frog in Prophecy Non-Foils, two and change up to, to uh, just under $5. Spore Frog is the one mana Sacket uh, Fog. So he's Spore Fog. <laughs> uh, definitely moved because of Moldratha. You could cast him from your graveyard every turn and just Fog all the time. Um, but it, he was, he had a, an unusually high price prior to that anyways, because he's just useful as a creature that Bogs on command. Um, and his price could realistically end up even higher uh, if he doesn't get reprinted. I mean, I, everyone, I feel like, is concerned that he's going to just show up somewhere and then his price will crater and boy, will it. But, you know, if this doesn't get reprinted, let's say within 2018, I could see Spore Frog at $10 for non foil commons just because 
it's a prophecy common, right? Like how few of those are available yeah. and they're, rel- they're fairly popular. This is uh, one of those cards that until they print it, it's going to just keep going up. And if you feel confident about this, it, it is screaming out for like a reprint. Uh, it's depressingly good in uh, Marin of Clan Neltoth, Meltoth decks, whatever her name is. Uh, that's a That'll get you uh, targeted real hard, too, because it's immediately coming back, and it drives me up the wall. <laughs> um, I, oh man, this is super easy to just toss in a commander deck and call it a day because it's going to drop to nothing. Uh, I wouldn't be in for more than like eight copies, tops. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, they are going to sell slowly. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to spend too much. Yeah. What's the foil one? Yeah, foils are, we talked about those a little while ago. Those are quite pricey, I think. $40. <laughs> yeah. Life is silly. What's next on the list, Travis? Uh, so after Sporefrog, you've got Benthic Behemoth foils out of 7th edition. Uh, not really a lot to talk about there. This card is completely irrelevant. It's just that he's a uh, 7th edition foil. That's it. People love collecting 7th edition foils. Speaking of old foils, next up we have Crypt of Agadine, a card out of Zendikar. The foil version has gone from a touch under 10 to a little over $20. And uh, this is, if I remember right, two. Uh, it taps for black, comes to play taps, taps for black, or two and tap and add a black mana for each creature in your graveyard. And if you don't immediately see a bunch of synergies with that, uh, play Commander more, and you will. Cryptovagadim is a <clears throat> pretty powerful card. Uh, it just hasn't really found a great home yet. Um, even in EDH, it can be a little tricky to really get going. Uh, but it is a powerful land. And if uh, we continue to go without reprints, that price is going to be sticky. Uh, we'd have to get the reprint in something that had foils because the non-foil showed up in uh, which commander set? I can't tell these commander set symbols apart anymore. I sound like such an old guy when I say that. But um, it's in 8,000 EDH decks, but it's had one, two reprints. Um, yeah, it's the non-foils have shown up a couple times, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, in Commander 2014 is where it was. So okay. there's much more copies out there at our non-foil, but this being the only foil, it's been... It's capable of going up, up, up. I don't see this putting going into a a regular set. You'd have to find a spot in a master set for it. Yeah, correct. It's there. The avenues for foils on this are pretty limited, especially because it's a uh, it's a named location in Zendikar, right? Yeah. So it's not like there's um, it's going to be easy to toss us anywhere. The return of core sets makes it a little easier. I guess, but we haven't really seen how flexible they are going to be on uh, location-specific cards there yet. It's a good point, and uh, but especially because they're putting such location-specific stuff in things like Battle Bond, uh, I would find this uh, harder to reprint in those sets as well. Like if Battle Bond mm-hmm. was just a a best of kind of uh, set, it would be different, but. You know, it's a lot like conspiracy where stuff is really like named 
and uh, you have to go back to Pagliano. Pagliano, is that what it goes? Anyway. It's close enough. Yeah. After uh, Crypt of Agadine, we've got Foil Golgari Brown Scales out of Ravnica, about two fifty to five fifty six bucks. This is a, a dredge card. It's one of the, the tools that dredge frequently uses in both modern and legacy. Uh, so it's it's just a workhorse. It's unexciting. Uh, it's not sexy, but it's there. People use it, um, and even occasionally uh, gets used as a sideboard card to gain life out of with dredge. Or like it's a dredge card that also gains you life, so it fills some dual purposes, but. Only the one printing in Ravnica. I don't see Gis getting more copies of it anytime soon. Wizards really hate Dredge, so they're not going to be reprinting it very often. Um, so it'll it'll probably go unhindered for a while. Uh, I guess I'm just a little surprised that it was that cheap to begin with, that Foil Golgari Brown Scales hadn't got bought up before, because this is not new. This card has been in heavy use in Dredge strategies for quite some time. Yeah, uh, there's an outside chance somebody built, uh, we get a modern event deck that's dredge, but I, like you said, wizard really doesn't like the mechanic. They, especially now that they tried to print something and they, they, excuse me, they unbanned grave troll thinking, Oh, we've printed a graveyard hate and finding out, Oh God, no, we haven't. So yeah, I, I would be shocked if wizards printed a, uh, I, you know, a pre-built dredge deck. It's such a weird people. mechanic to introduce people to. Yeah, sometimes they like to introduce people in degenerate ways, but I don't. They haven't done another modern event deck since the first one, have they? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I no, guess they, they did the black white tokens one, and then that was it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to keep track of all those products at this point. <laughs> it really is getting there. Uh. What's next on the list? Uh, we have Foil Yabamaya Granger out of Urza's Legacy. has gone from about $2 to a little over 4 uh, Good for a double up plus some. And this is a 2 and a green Echo card, which means you have to pay the cost again. But when it comes into play, you get to search for a basic land and put into play tapped. Uh, another fun way to abuse uh, graveyard synergies. Just going to keep going and coming back and doing his thing all over again. Yeah, and this is, again, another very old foil. Supply would have been quite low prior to anyone buying any. Um, so I would imagine this is just another case of people cleaning out uh, a low supply. I think, you know, we have seen we see that all the time, but we've especially seen it lately with older cards. Um, you know, reserve list stuff, 9394 has been <clears throat> quite active lately, and people are not forgetting that they can do that uh, with stuff like old foil. So... Just, I'm sure someone's been in 20, well, probably not 20, probably 60, 50, 70 bucks and cleaning all these things out. Just, uh, there's probably some lovely stock phrase for that, but I don't know what it is. So let's move on. After Yavamaya Granger, we have Maronar, uh, foils from Champions of Kamigawa. This is a very popular rat. Uh, he's the one that. You do something with you rats? tap sack a rat make X rats where X is the number of rats you control. Oh yeah, he's basically uh, <clears throat> that goblin uh, cranko. Yes, he's a slightly worse cranko. Slightly worse cranko. Uh, like yeah, uh, Marinar has been popular among a subset of commander and casual players for a while. Um, so to see the foils jump from 45 to 100, there had to have been only one and then somebody bought it and that's what triggered it. Uh, 
because I don't think I don't think there would have been a supply of these that somebody drained because it wouldn't there wouldn't have been many beforehand. But we did just get more rats in Dominaria. We got another rat that has an infinite. You can play as many copies as you want. Probably related to that. Uh, I don't think this is going to sell for a hundred dollars. I think this will probably hang out in the uh, you know fifty to sixty range. Someone so that that hundred dollar one is not going to sell. Uh, someone else will get a hold of one and list it for you know sixty bucks, and that one might go. So I agree. I feel like you missed the boat if you need one. The price is going to get sticky upwards. Yeah, but not not too fast. It's not going to be a hundred dollar card because it could show up like mostly anywhere uh and wizard hasn't printed it in a while so uh even if they print it again you know original set foils they're always going to have a a certain market and people who want to play rats are going to want you know that, that one this is among the best rats you can have uh the other card that the rat decks always really really want is thrumming stone if you want to be ahead of the curve on that yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the other one, which you just <clears throat> it casts the same spell you just cast if it's in your top couple of cards. So you just cast a million. Yep, all your cast your entire deck basically. All your spells have the also coveted cold snap mechanic of ripple. Yeah, it's sort of like cascade for the same copy of the card. Yep, you have to have yes uh, the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and when you can play any number of those rats. And you'll have a board full of rats, and everybody will love you for it. Uh, now, Travis, our next card is Psychic Battle, and I will Venmo you a dollar if you knew what it did without looking it up. Psychic Battle is a five mana sorcery target player shuffles. No, just mills cards equal the number of cards I've drawn this turn. You are so far off, but it's adorable. You got the casting cost right. That might be oh, worth I'm thinking cents. of what the heck is that other card? I have no idea, but I'm intrigued about the card you're talking about. That sounds like something psychic or, spiral. Psychic spiral. I wouldn't know that one either. And it was it's five mod instant shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your library, and then you mill somebody uh, for that many cards. Ooh, <clears throat> that's not terrible. Psych turn the Ravnica. Psychic Battle is an enchantment out of Invasion that says whenever a player chooses one or more targets, each player reveals the top card of his or her library. The player who reveals the card with the highest converted mana cost may change the target or targets. If two or more cards are tied for highest, the target or targets remains unchanged. <laughs> it's a simple and easy magic card. Right? Just like that just rolls off the tongue. But it's an invasion foil, so like I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm not surprised. There's not that many of them out there, and somebody uh, said I'm going to spend a hundred dollars and buy the last ten. Yeah. Um. After that, we have wait, where do we go? Mana vortex from the dark. Uh, seventeen to forty. Mana vortex is uh, on the reserve list. Actually, it's a three mana. When you cast it, counter it. Is when you cast it sacrifice a land uh and at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player sacks a land and then when there are no lands left you sacrifice this so it just eats all the lands on the battlefield very fun very fun card um but this is just somebody scooping up the reserve list copies someone's trying to this is a card on the reserve list i mean it's been going on for what two years now that people are uh, 
Yeah, right around there. Although it's been really popular to do that again lately. I mean, like, what is it? Tabernacle went from like hundred buck or not hundred, uh, like a six or seven hundred to four thousand in the span of three months. Man, oh, a lot of activity over there. Wow. Oh, I sorry, I needed a second on that. Uh, next up, we have everybody's favorite. Count, you have to go count all your. Uh, count all your tabernacles hold on i gotta go see how many i have oh that's easy for me zilch yeah it's a shame it is a shame thanks travis for kicking a man while he's down yeah 13 13 i have i don't have 13 i have a single italian one that i got forever ago i'll allow it i'll allow it um all right, so what is next for us, Cliff? Next up is everybody's favorite purple hippo, the Philetogryph, I believe is how you say it. This is another reserve list card, believe it or not. Uh, this has gone from $7 to about 16 and uh, it has a bunch of abilities. It's got a green ability, a blue ability, and a white ability that uh, it does something, and your uh, one or more of your opponents will get a benefit. This has long been the poster child for the group hug decks until they started playing Zedru. And I don't think anything special happened. They just decided, uh, it's a reserve list card. Let's buy it. Uh, yeah, which, uh, of course, we are all familiar with that thought process these days. So nothing terribly surprising there. Would that it were a surprise now. Uh, after that is Spectral Cloak, uh, Legends, Non-Foil, 250 to 7, uh, a terrible card that's also on the reserve list. So, uh, yeah, more reserve list buyouts, not too much more to say there, I guess. Good, because next up is a card that's much more fun to talk about, Stonehorn Dignitary. The uh, M12 copy that's in foil went from $5 to around 13 and this one I'm willing to believe is more of an organic demand. Uh, it's a rare, right? It's got to be. It's, I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, Stonehorn Dignitary is a rare, right? No, it's a common, I think. There's no way. Really? No. Might oh, be uncommon. God, common. Oh, this is a pauper card then. Fun. Uh, well, pauper and uh, like any deck that can blink it. Yeah. So like Brago or uh, Devry and things like that because you just keep making players sec- uh, skip their attack phases. That's a... Which is even worse than Fog. Uh, let me do the math real quick in my head. If it's a quarter and then it's $13 in foil, uh, that's what, 64, 63, something like that. That's a 60x multiplier. Good job, everyone. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's big. This was uh, this was part of a fun deck and standard back yes. when it was legal because you would uh, break it with Benser over and oh, over. Oh God, that's good stuff. It was, it was. Um, after that, we have four Spike Foil Seventh Edition copies. This is a bad card; nobody plays, but it's a Foil Seventh Edition card, which again there aren't that many of. So nothing too exciting here either. Uh, Feel the dreams from Legends, eighty to two hundred and thirty. Another reserve list card that nobody actually plays. So. Nothing there either. Uh, Thought Picker, Witch from Ravnica foils a, under two dollars to just about six. Thought Picker, which is a one mana one one, a one sacrifice a creature. Look at the top two cards of an opponent's library and then exile one. Uh, this had to have been played by somebody, right? Like someone used this somewhere. 
I think so, but I can't, I can't find it quickly. I was looking for this a little bit ago. I can't imagine where else this why else this would see a sudden jump in foil prices. Uh, let's see how many EDH card decks is it in? There's a tortured existence popper deck. This is only in 600 EDH decks, so somebody must have played this on stream or something somewhere because it's the only reason you would see this uh, jump to six bucks like that. In any case, uh, as with any flavor of the week card, it will uh, return to normalcy pretty fast. So probably like three to four dollars, I would guess. In case we haven't made it clear with the uh, things we've said, if you have these random foils, find them, sell them immediately. Do not. Do not try and hold out for, in this case, uh, what it went up to uh, five bucks. Don't hold out for seven. Get your money and go. Let somebody else uh, try and get that last little bit. Yep. Yep, for sure. Uh, What's next, Cliff? Next up, we have Forgotten Ancient. We're talking foils out of the uh, second conspiracy set. Uh, They have gone from about five dollars to 15 for a lovely little triple up. Uh, Forgotten Ancient is one of those cards that when you see it get played, you think, holy crap, what were they thinking? But fun fact, this was a you designed the card. The community got to pick this one. So that's why you get to uh, get a counter on it for every spell that someone plays and then redistribute those counters on your upkeep. Yeah, this was a cool card and carries uh, some nostalgia, uh, although probably not for many people at this point because you would have had to be playing back during that era. Uh, it's a nifty card. It's kind of been outdone, but it's still cool. Um, it's a it's a nifty inclusion, if not a great inclusion. Uh, and they, they were printed a couple times too, but not really in foil at all much, I don't believe. I think it's just been... Um, no, it was, uh, I believe, uh, Scourge foil, and now yeah, this so one. Yeah, so just the two of them. Uh, I, think, um, I think $15 is probably fairly safe. And it is a conspiracy foil. Conspiracy is quite a few years old now. It's like six, five or six years, I think, right? Um, so, yeah, and that's the only two foils of Scourge. And there's been eight printings, counting uh, Arch Enemy and Commander printings. Yeah, so I don't think it's a, a, a great card, but I, I do think it can probably keep a price tag north of $10. Yeah, it's one of those cards where when you see it played, you're just thinking, I need to play with this yeah. card. Uh, after that, we have Firebolt from Odyssey Foils, two to six dollars. Firebolt is a uh, this is the one with the flashback, right? I'm thinking of the right one. Yeah, flashback shot. Uh, yep, flashback sorcery speed shock that only hits creatures. Uh, I don't, I can't imagine this is anything other than somebody scooping up the last couple copies. Like, I don't see. <laughs> It's a pretty popular uh, popper card. Oh, popper! That's pr- that's probably what it is then, because this is an EMA too. So there's the EMA foils. Yeah, this is this has had uh, at least two foil printings. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to go with popper then. I don't know where else this would, why else this would move. Uh, there weren't that many uh, original set foils around anyway. I mean, that's Odyssey is uh, pretty relatively low point in uh, Magic's history, like the couple of sets right after right in that range like the odyssey torment judgment kind of thing is not its best because especially that was like the ristic area era right uh close yeah prophecy i think yeah yeah Ugh. no thank you Aristic studies is uh 
real jerk card to play in EDH. It is. I I love playing it, and then I always end up taking it out. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't don't play it. <laughs> don't play it. Uh, well, thank you for your insight in deck construction, Travis. Yeah, I play I play nice EDH, not rude EDH. Um, we we should talk about what nice EDH means. I'm really curious about your definition. Uh, no time walks and no time walks. No black. No tutors, basically, uh, mm-hmm. except for maybe lands and uh, minimal graveyard recursion, minimal to zero. I have started making it a point to put uh, Stranglehold in every commander deck I can, and that's a card that needs a reprint real bad. Yeah. And uh, rest in peace. I'm just tired of There's too many graveyard shenanigans at my local store. I'm just tired of it. Yeah, rest in peace is a good one for sure uh, to get people to stop being jerks. Um, <laughs> uh, you're going to play the way I want. Yeah, precisely. Uh, uh, let's see. Where are we? We're at Spontaneous Generation out of Mercadian Masks. It's a rare. It's gone from about $2 to a little over 7 This is more Sapperling shenanigans. It's a sorcery for three and a green. It puts a 1-1 Sapperling into play for each card in your hand. So and almost definitely for Slimefoot, yeah. Yep. Everything that says Sapperling is going to have its day in the sun. Pardon the expression. Uh, yeah, right. Um, okay, Shining Shoal, foil from Betrayers of Kamigawa, foils from 8 to 30. Shining Shoal is the one that you can remove a white card in your hand, and then uh, the next X damage... That would be dealt to you is prevented where X is that card's uh, mana cost or converted mana cost. So in the same realm as like Shining Shoal, uh, not Shining Shoal, uh, Disrupting Shoal, same type of con- same type of card. I don't think this is seen extra play somewhere that it wasn't before. Uh, are am I missing something? Do you are you aware? Uh, I know it's been. You left out one part of the card that not only do you prevent the damage to the target of your source, you get to deal that damage to target creature or player instead. So, right, okay, the redirect. Yeah, you get to redirect. It's not like you're going to redirect for twenty or something, but um, it's may. I think it showed up in a couple of sideboards for death and taxes, and oh. given that um, you know it's a which edition of Kamigawa, Betrayers of Kamigawa foils. That's not going to, we're yeah. not, probably not very many of those at all. all. Yeah, I mean, the whole Kamigawa block at this point is sparse, <laughs> relatively. Um, so, I mean, $30 foils, like, probably, like, I would say yeah. 25 to 30 And you're going to find buyers infrequently, but you, when you, you will find buyers at those numbers uh, because there just aren't any copies out yeah, there. Yeah, nobody, uh, Nobody bothered saving a lot of these. I'm still waiting for the uh, Soul Spike move, which was the uh, the one from not Kamigawa, but like uh, Planar Chaos, Time Spiral. No, maybe a Cold Snap. It was a Cold Snap one, and it you remove a black card, two black cards to deal four damage and gain four life. Uh, and I got a pile of those. I'm waiting for somebody to figure out how to make that card really good. So get on it, you guys. <laughs> that is a heavy cost to pay for deal for gain for. Yeah, but you played it with Gristlebrand. I suppose, but uh, you're you're trying. 
I I applaud your optimism, sir. I applaud your. You play optimism. with Ruth's brand. You draw. You no, play I, seven to draw seven. And I then can see how where you're going with this. It's just still you're pitching three cards for deal four, game four. You'd have to do that twice to get another Gristlebrand activation. Well, yeah, I don't think you're trying to do pay for a full Gristlebrand activation with it so much as you're just trying to uh, get a discounted one. Is that? Soul Spike. Is that I yeah, removed two black cards rather than yeah. Cost. yeah, that was accurate. Uh well there's a reason it still hasn't jumped in price. <laughs> Next up we have uh a recent card, uh Thrashing Brontodon. Uh he has gone from uh just about a dollar to about three fifty. There this has been a super popular card. Uh it's either uncommon out of rivals. One green, green, three, four, and it has one sacrifice it and disenchant something. It's good against a whole bunch of things, but I think mainly it's the popularity of vehicles and the rise of the uh, mono green decks that want to do stuff. This is a great enabler for uh, Galta shenanigans, too. Yeah, I would have to imagine this is definitely if you're playing a green deck and you need to beat vehicles. Uh, it's hard to, to do better than this, right? Like it, it beats yeah. your opponent up and then it destroys whatever vehicle they're trying to cast. Um, so it's just a great tool for that deck. I'm so pleased that we're seeing something spike out of usage. Like that that just makes me happy because most of the rest of this is not necessarily that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, you're correct. Standard, I mean, really, because card spiking from use is... I mean, they all—they're all speaking from use, sort of, just different amounts and different intensity. Uh, I mean, all of our EDH cards are from usage, but it's not—it's not the type of thing where like it was went from basically not played two weeks ago to suddenly an, an awesome metagame card this week. So it's—it's it's rarely that quick, I should—I guess. I'm with you on that. Uh, let's see. After that, it's Custody Squire foils from Conspiracy, seventy cents to three fifty. Custody Squire is the five mana three three, um, where you all vote to return a uh, a artifact creature or enchantment, and whichever gets the most votes, you uh, return to your hand from your graveyard. <laughs> so you get one of them back. Uh, so useful little card there, uh, but foils like I said, seventy cents to three fifty. Uh, it's a good card in EDH. Um, it's five, you get a three on a flyer for five, which is not a great rate of return, but you do get to return a permanent from your graveyard to your hand, and it's in white, which is probably why this is uh, popular, just because green gets those all the time, but I think white gets them a little bit less. Uh, and getting it attached to a body for roughly the same cost as you would normally pay isn't too bad. So, you know, it's only $3. It's not a huge, not worth, we're not talking 35 bucks or anything here. Uh, I guess prices could keep going up if it doesn't get bought, but it does seem like it's got a limit on how popular it will yeah, be. Yeah. Uh, while it is going to be a difficult uh, one to reprint, what is it? Will of the Council? Yeah, Will of the Council is the name of the mechanic. Um, I Reprints are unlikely, but I don't see too much demand going on for it. So I'd be, I'd be shipping them. I'm not going to hang around. Yeah, it's going to be slow burn. Right. So if you if you have might sell them, I think they will probably continue to rise in price, but it's going to be so slow the opportunity costs. Yeah, if you, if you got them, you got them before they were expensive, cash out and move on. Yeah, that big $3 payoff. 
Yeah, man. It's it's a percentage game, man. Uh, okay, what's next? Next up is sudden spoiling. Uh, foil copies out of Time Spiral have gone from about $12 to 60 uh, Sudden spoilings, three mana, uh, split second, instant. Creature's target player controls become 0-2 and lose all abilities until end of turn. And since it's got split second, you can't counter it. You can't respond to it. It just happens. Yeah, this card was uh, was real cool. Um, did you happen? Do you have any ideas of why we saw it move? Uh, probably because it's a time spiral foil without a lot of. Um, there probably wasn't a lot of stock around. I don't think it's super popular in uh, EDH. Right? Let's see. Yeah. So you're just going with the. Uh... Well, it's in 8,000 EDH decks. Uh, there's only one foil printing. There's a Commander 2015 version of it. But yeah, uh, I would say that this is somebody just buying it out. There probably okay. weren't all that many copies to begin with. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was uh, if there was something I was missing or not. It doesn't sound like it. Um, yeah, it's a nifty card. Uh, and I, I guess I can see that in, in Commander being pretty obnoxious. Oh yeah, especially with... Uh, People wanting to do all sorts of, um, you know, my creatures are indestructible and now they're not, you know, sort of things. Uh, you're really going to blow somebody out with they're attacking you for a billion and you cast this and now you're not dead, but you're probably dead the next turn. So uh, I've played this uh, in more than a few decks and always ended up cutting it for something that does more because you need it to work with something else, a very specific condition. But in this case, uh, I think this is just a straight, there was a low supply buyout, and uh, all it takes is one person deciding they're going to spend a couple hundred bucks, and they could have cleaned it up. Yep, and there you go. You did it. Good job. You did it. Uh, striped Riverwinder. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Striped Riverwinder foils from Hour of Devastation. About $0.65 cents to six fifty. Um, for a good 10 times uh, price increase. This is one of the cycling cards from Hour of yep. Devastation. So it's seen new play in that regard. Um, I have to admit I'm a little confused here just because uh, there are other cycling targets that are better. If you want to go buy foil cycling cards, I think you can find other cards that are a better well, choice to spec on. Uh, but nevertheless, somebody bought them well, out. So here we go. I don't think these are going to be six fifty. I, I think, think that that's much bucks. more likely uh, two or three bucks. It's a four of in the uh, as foretold decks, and they are uh, cycling this along with uh, some of the other cards. They're not playing any of the single uh, green one, the single red ones like um, the the red one whose name escapes me. The six four, but you cycle this, you cycle this, you do something, uh, and then you living end. And you just get it all back. Right. Yeah, well, I guess, like, right off the top of my head, I know Monstrous Carabid uh, was used as much or more than this was. Uh, it has way fewer foil copies. It's much older, and the price is still, like, two bucks. Um, now, I own I own several, so I'll be completely honest about it. But I own them because it was... And I talked about them on this cast, too, a while ago. And I was like... Uh, this is the only cycling card in foil that isn't 10 bucks and it's played more than basically all of them. Uh, so why someone would buy out Stripe Riverwinder and not Carabid is just kind of beyond me. Because it's blue 
and the uh the it's true the carabin cycles for red or black right i'm sorry say again does the carabin cycle for red or black am i remembering that right yes so uh the new version is just black and it has hex proof which is kind of relevant i suppose but uh you're right carabin seems like a one that would be more likely to spike given that it was last in foil way back in uh, Alara Reborn, right? Yep. And uh, Striped Riverwinder is not blue or black. It's only blue. Right. It's only blue. Yeah. So uh, I think the foils on this are going to land in the $2 range. Uh, and I think if you really want to spec on foil cycling cards, Matras Carabit is still probably the right call. Uh, even though I own them, I think it's still, still a good choice. Now I have to go look this up. Let's see how much they are in foil. Uh, market price is two, and there are looks like under twenty foil copies left. Uh, but I'm four of I'm oh, four of them. Which card? Monstrous Carabid foils. There are okay, like like fifteen or so foil copies at two dollars and on TCG, and that's it. Uh, so. We'll see you next week then, huh? I I would like to because I bought a bunch. (laughs) Uh, All right. What do we want to finish this off for us here? Sure. Our last card this week is Syncopate. The foil copies from Odyssey have jumped from around a buck to around $13 because the reprint in Dominaria means that you get to play these old border foils. And there's a certain group of us who really love to do that in Standard. And uh, that's pushed this price like crazy. The same thing happened with Opt. And uh, now we're going to get that sweet uh, full art art Opt I really like. But uh, yeah, dig out your old foil copies of Syncopate and go to town. Get those out of your binder right now. Well, what's funny is uh, I don't think that there are any left in binders. And I say that because in Return to Ravnica, Syncopate was reprinted. And foils from odyssey at that point in time spiked and i very clearly recall this because i went to buy foil syncopates and couldn't find them i was too late so uh there was already a run on these several years ago now it's been a while since return the ravenous it's been six years but all of those spare copies moved to people who like played magic and were playing standard uh so even though they've left even though it's been a while since Return the Ravnica and they're not going, like they've had time to settle again, they're still in the hands of people who are active, either players or vendors. So I don't think there's much of a, there's not really a, a backup supply left to refill these. So this price is probably going to stay pretty high. I'd imagine so too. Do you remember what uh, price they got to last time? Uh, it was around 10 bucks, I think is roughly where they settled. All right. that's That sounds about right, considering the age and you do get the old border which is always preferable yeah i prefer the old border some people are stupid and don't but like i said they're stupid (laughs) um all right so let's move on the segment to our cards to watch uh cliff would you like to do the honors and get us started i sure would uh my first pick this week is scrap trawler foils out of ether revolt you can still get this for around two bucks, and I think this is overdue to severely correct upward. It's a four of in modern Clark Clan Ironworks decks. It's in about 3,000 EDH decks, and I think one more time on stream or on camera, and it's going to hit big. And I think eight might be conservative, considering that you're going to need it as a four of. 
is it I didn't realize it was in that many EDH decks. It's kind of surprising. Oh no, man. It's it's just such a value engine. And I think that's soaking up a lot of the uh excess foil copies out there. And uh I haven't bought any of these yet. I tend to wait a day and let things post and then I'll go by. Uh, because I'd feel bad about myself. But um yeah, I just think that this is uh the first card you have to kill when you see it in Commander. And I've seen what the KCI deck can do on... Uh, didn't it win the Modern Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So uh, this is a value engine. Uh, you don't play one, two, or three. You're going to play the full four, and you're going to extract ridiculous value. And if you ever see two of these in play, you just might as well pack up. Just go home. What- you're done. It- what do you mean you would feel bad? I mean that um, I don't like telling people to buy a card after I've bought it. Uh, I wait for like my articles to go up and then I'll uh, then I'll go buy. Uh, I see you as long as you're honest about it, it's fine. Like I yeah, I, I have, tell people that I own the carabids, right? And I I do not own any foil scrap trawlers yet, but I'm about to go buy some once this goes live okay well i will tell you that i don't as long as you're upfront about what you own i don't think you have any reason to feel bad i fully acknowledge that uh what am i at i'm at almost five years with uh with price and i i don't want to be the evil guy yeah but that doesn't make you evil telling people to buy a card and not telling them that you've already bought 200 of them that's shitty but like hey i bought 30 of these and i left some and i left some more so uh i do like them like you you are allowing people to make informed decisions which is which is fine yeah Uh, plus um i don't get into big numbers uh anymore i got i still have 60 uh profit of crucifix laying around here someplace (laughs) and uh i am never going down that path again oh god just saying it out loud makes me feel bad yeah, I'm, but yeah, I mean, scrap trawler foils. Go buy them. They're going to go up uh, sometime in the next. I'm going to say it's going to be about a year, so maybe eighteen months. But it's going to go on camera. It's going to do great things, and it's going to spike pretty hard. All right, scrap trawler. I, uh, I I do like that actually, um, especially with that much EDH play. I didn't realize I had that. So those are good foils. Um, I'm going to start this week with Praetor's Council, the green sorcery that. Uh, wait, let me get the text on it. Uh, it's eight mana. Don't overlook the five green, green, green. Right. Eight mana. You put your graveyard in your hand, and then you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Um, uh, remember how you asked me about what, what, kind of, what fun EDH is like? Uh, maximum, <laughs> maximum, no maximum hand size is, might be the worst thing you can do in EDH. Uh, Oh my god, you're not kidding. Yeah, I, it's really bad. Um, but in regardless of my personal opinions on it, it's still an extremely popular card. It's in about nine and a half thousand EDH decks. Uh, really powerful. If you're playing a green deck, it's hard not to play Praetor's Council. Um, you can grab foils right now at about twelve dollars. That price hasn't spiked yet. Uh, you know, it's not like it was at six two weeks ago, and now it's at twelve. Uh, right around 12, but there's like no supply left. I mean, I think there were three near mint copies on TCG player when I looked a little earlier. So it's real low right now. Uh, and once this is gone, I mean, the only foil copies are from Mirrored and Besieged. Uh, there are no other foil copies out there. 
Um, I'm just looking now. Star City has one played copy and none others. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be probably $25 once these last couple copies get bought out. It's an old, extremely powerful foil. Uh, it's going to be Joda is giving players a, a good reason to revisit it. Um, although he that is legal in Joda, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, well, Joda's five colors. Yeah, okay. You can play His identity is still five colors, yeah. So there you go. Prater's Council Supply is super low, very popular in EDH. Uh, only one foil printing. I don't know when we would see it in foil again. Um, so yeah, there you go. Nice and simple. I'm with you. Uh, I actually am thinking that my Ur Dragon deck really could use a Prater's Council just so I can dump all my dragons back out there. Yeah. You're a might have to go get one right now. Like you said, there's three. Let's go take Big a jerk. But, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, I can always count on you to lend a hand. Yeah. You're a jerk. You're a jerk if you play this card. Uh, my true. problem with, with infinite hand size, is just in case anyone's curious, is that uh, you usually pick up like 20 cards and then it just turns into everyone trying to slog through you basically just replay the game you already played because you're using all the cards that you've already used. Um, and also, ooh, it's just a huge slog. Like, it just turns into you versus the entire rest of the table and everyone's spending all their resources every turn to stop you and you're dumping tons of cards onto the battlefield every turn. Uh, and it just it just drags. Like, the game just it drags and drags and drags because you have to and it, through all of those resources and then it's not until you get to the point where people don't have a lot of cards in their hand that you kind of start to get up to a point where the game is changing meaningfully i guess uh i mean every game is different but that is what we've found time and time again so it's just not fun yeah uh, i'm with you that like anything that gives you way too many choices like you're right they'll draw like half a deck into their hand with this card and then you've got to wait while they look through all their cards and figure out what they're going to do because yeah. they have so many choices. That's why I stopped playing uh, Wild Pair. I like a lot of creature decks, and I, I'm just refusing to play Wild Pair because I'm tired of having to take five minutes and figure out which card I need to get and do the math and all that shenanigan. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done. Yeah, that's the other problem that, that I forgot to mention. Good point on maximum hand size is that uh, people, it takes so long to decide what to do with your turn. Um, uh and it's, that's where it starts to get really obnoxious for the other players at the table. It's not even that you're in a commanding position. It's that your turns take so much longer. Yeah, but it feels really good to be the one with 20 cards in your hand. There's no way around that feeling. And see, I don't even think that's true. Like Because then I'm like, ah, shit. Like I know that there is a right series of cards that I'm supposed to play from this position. <laughs> but it, it's like when you've got 20 cards in your hand, three opponents, and there's so many things to consider, it's like it's going to take you a while to figure out what you're supposed to play and uh, like make sure you don't miscount or anything like that. Uh and it's just going to feel bad because you're going to be like, oh, shit, people are waiting for me. I just have to do something. And you're going to know that it wasn't the optimal play. And then I just I feel I feel bad for not having played it correctly. Travis, you need to uh, look up a card called Citadel of Pain. It, I think it's going to fit really well with how you like to play. Yeah. It's two, one, two in a red enchantment. At the end of each player's turn, they take a damage for every untapped land they control. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have untapped lands in EDH anyway. Exactly my point. I shouldn't do any damage to anyone. <laughs> and yet it's really good for dealing with stupid Cyclonic Rift players. That's true. I'm sure you're good people, but you play evil cards. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your next card? 
Uh, my other card this week is Shao Ku, the Endbringer, uh, out of Mirage. You can get near mint copies for around four bucks. There's an awful lot of uh, moderately played, lightly played, and damaged cards on TCG Player. Uh, this is a reserve list card, and uh, I want to be clear about that. But uh, it's a vampire, in case you didn't know that seven mana cards with giant fangs are not vampires. Uh, it's not yet super popular with uh, EDH, but it's got uh, a lot of tap synergies. I saw a friend of mine use it really well with Marisol the Pretender because it gives the tap abilities away. Uh, I've seen it do some work with uh, Necronic Ooze and stuff too. So right now you can get it for around $4. I think that eventually this is going to be on the buy it out target list and it's going to jump to at least 20. Uh, hmm. That's probably a very good choice. It's a vampire. <laughs> it exiles things. If you can untap it, it's even more obnoxious. Uh, and yeah, it's reserveless. I, I, I think that is probably a good choice, Cliff. I would be uh, surprised if that is not profitable for somebody. Might not not going to be one of us, but I think it'll be profitable for somebody. <laughs> Someone is going. It, eventually, the value is going to go up, yeah. and your vampire deck is going to get that much more expensive. Okay, a good choice. What's your other card this week, Travis? Uh, my other card this week is Anguished on Making. I'm looking at the game day promo, so I know. That I've talked about this at some point in the past was quite a while ago, um, but I'm revisiting it because it, it popped up on my radar again. This card still wildly popular in EDH, nearly twenty thousand decks for Anguished on Making, which is a huge number. It's unquestioned tier one. Um, just three mana exile something just gets it out of the way. The promos are really cool. They're uh, soaring getting exiling Avacyn, but they're from Avacyn's perspective. They're full art. Um, you can pick them up right now for about eight bucks. There's a handful left. It looks like probably uh, 15 vendors. And if you're looking at copies under 10 bucks, there's probably 20 maybe uh, right in that ballpark. Um, so pretty low. It's Really popular. It's in 20,000 EDH decks. Very powerful. The promo is awesome. You're never going to see the promo again. No matter what, that promo is not getting reprinted. Uh, so I really like these up to probably about 20 bucks. Uh, I am a thousand percent on board. I had no idea it was in that many EDH decks. Good yeah. gravy. Yeah, and I remember having a similar experience, a similar thought when I when I checked it last time because I was like, this many people play Anguish on making because it's not a card that I would typically think to play, but uh, I guess I would say it's very popular for people who... Vindicate uh, is in 10,000 10, less decks? Holy yeah. crap. It doesn't exile. It doesn't, it doesn't exile, I guess. Vindicate's a sorcery versus Anguish Done Making is an instant. All right, you sold me. I need to go switch out Vindicate yeah. for Unmaking. Yeah, Vindicate uh, is just a weird card in that they've printed it like 30 times and judged it like three times, but it's not good. Like, it's just not a good card. The whole thing is is odd, but... Um, so there you go. It's been a judge uh, for all wow. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of odd choices regarding Vindicate from Wizard's side. Um, <coughs> oh, jeez. All right, so let's move on to our third segment this week. Uh, our topic of the week, 
This week was the uh, Friday was the announcement day, uh, which is of course where Wizards goes and announces a bunch of crap for the upcoming six months. Uh, definitely a curious announcement day. Typically, these are full of all sorts of exciting things that are on the horizon. Uh, we're like, oh yeah, look at all this cool stuff we're going to get. Kind of helps us plan out. Like you know, you find out what master sets are coming, what commander products, that type of stuff. Not this time. Uh, some real, definitely the, the, uh, most mixed reception announcement day we've had yet. So, uh, in no particular order, uh, we'll just run through these. The first one, Cliff, uh, return to return to return to return. This is a joke that we can't do Uh, enough. And, uh, everybody who does this joke, go for it. Throw in 30 returns because they're doing it. Yeah. We should do it too. Yeah, you should return yes, to the joke. Thank you. Uh, I need a rim shot, please. Yeah, so that's disgusting. <laughs> uh, oh, rim shot. Um, yeah, so not only are we going back to Ravnica, we're doing three sets of Ravnica. So I really hope you fucking love guilds <laughs> because you're getting three sets of Ravnica. And we haven't had a three set block since. Uh, Konzatark here, right? Was the one before Oath of the before Battle yes, for Zendikar? I believe that is correct. So it's been three or four years now. Um, so obviously, uh, first thing everyone's thinking: Are there going to be shocks? I would be shocked if there weren't. Uh, did you have to? Yeah. What was I? I mean, it was. It's not even like a joke. It's just obvious. It's true. <laughs> continue. Continue. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I really, really expect shocks to show up here. Um, and I think most people do too. Uh, and we've talked about this for a while now. In fact, I know that I've mentioned a returning to Ravnica again in the fall a while ago when it was a rumor. Um, and I said back then that they will probably put uh, shocks in it and that you should sell them. Part of that, you know, in the past we've seen, for instance, the the Czech lands like Sun Petal Grove and Glacial Fortress, they showed up in standard and the price increased. But the price on them prior to that was nothing. It was like 50 cents. And then suddenly they had a utility. Whereas shocks already already cost $10. There's already uh, demand for them. Like they have a reason for existence. And making them legal and standard, I feel like, doesn't doesn't really add something that wasn't there already. Um, So you have all the modern players already have theirs. And then everyone new is going to go and pick them up. But you're flooding the market again. So... Overall, I do think the shocks are going to drop in price. Uh, I wouldn't want to own, certainly wouldn't want to own more than 40. And you could probably even cut that down a little bit if you wanted to. But um, I, I wouldn't be specking on them and I would be selling any extras I had. How do you feel about uh, foil shocks? Now, keep in mind that we have uh, multiple versions uh, to choose from in terms of foil shocks. You have original Ravnica shocks. You have Return to Ravnica Shocks, and you have uh, Exploration Shocklands. Uh, we saw Gilded Lotus was on our list this week, and that's a super popular card. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people put Shocklands into their commander decks that maybe didn't want to spend 10 bucks on a land, but they'll be okay putting a $6 Shockland that they just opened in their draft deck, and they're going to put that into their commander deck right away. So... What would your thoughts be on foil shocks and what you think will happen to those prices? Well, first of all, it's expedition shocks, not exploration shocks. Did I say expiration shocks? Oh, then yes, expedition. Expedition. 
Which I'm okay with because it means you really liked my suggestion for the Ixalan bye-bye promos being called exploration. I like yes. Um, I do think foil shocks will will do much better. Uh, I don't think the price is really going to drop. The prices probably won't spike on most of them. On the original shocks, the foils went up at that time when we returned to Ravnica. The difference is supply was much more limited on the original copies than it was on the new ones when we returned to Ravnica. I don't think that's the case this time. Uh, so some of the return copies might move up a little bit, but I'm not I'm not anticipating a lot, but I also don't anticipate them to lose much. Um that's my general read on it, I guess. Uh, hold on. I'm bringing up the list of expeditions. Uh, let's see. Like, I think some of them will move a little bit. If anything, if anything is going to jump based on this, it would be the expedition copies. Yeah. Because now it's like, oh, now I can play these really cool cards in standard. Uh, like, I kind of needed a reason to pick them up anyways. And uh, these are still the expeditions, right? Like, they're not just a pack foil copy that you can pick from. It's it's something special. All right. So the cheapest expeditions are Godless Shrine and Temple Garden and Blood Crypt all for between 90 and 100. And I would be... I'd be expecting them to bump a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, if you wanted Shockland, if you wanted Expedition Shocklands in your deck, uh, you probably already went and got them. I don't know that having a, a huge amount of supply coming in, and I would expect this to be a, a pretty big bump in supply, would mean that uh, these are going to go up. But at the same time, these are the chase versions because now you're going to have three arts to choose from. Uh, everybody who wanted original Shockland foils and had the income to go for that They've already soaked up those copies, and uh, I would like Steam Vince is already like one forty. Do I think it could hit two hundred? Is the question, yeah. and I suppose the answer is yes. If you, you know, we're going to have so many copies going around. Uh, there's enough people. We just talked about people who want uh, old border uh, syncopate in their deck. Uh, you're going to see people who are going to snap up some expedition shocklands and go to town. Sure. Uh, you know what? I've just talked myself into it. They're going to go up. Okay. How many, how many do you buy already? Six, seven? Me? Yeah. None. Uh, the expeditions were... I had a few in a couple of commander decks that uh, went poof a mm. couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the important thing here is that supply doesn't really get replenished and everyone knows that the expeditions and masterpieces are are popular and they're supposed to be exciting and cool. So they're going to buy, if you were, if you weren't, if you were on the fence, this will push you to buy them where I really think it's going to do the best for is the lowest value ones. So steam vents is obviously already good. It's $140. People like it. Uh, what did you say the cheapest one was? Uh, cheapest that I'm seeing right now are Godless Shrine and Temple Garden, both around 95. So green, white, and white, black. Uh, those, to me, seem like they stand to gain the most because the modern demand isn't huge for them, but the standard demand could be. Black, white, and green, white could be very good in standard. And now you're adding uh, a vector that wasn't there before, um, which could make them much more interesting for prospective buyers because suddenly they're good. Uh, so, so that helps, I think, as well. 
So overall, yeah, I think I think the expeditions are probably the best positioned out of everything, out of all the existing shocks. And I would be getting rid of all of your spares. Um, I think I shipped mine about a year ago when the rumors of Ravnica started floating around again. I think if you have uh, foils from Return to Ravnica, I would probably hang on to those. I don't think they're going to take a... They're not going to be a huge shift either way. Foil Shocklands are always going to have a certain kind of market uh, because Shocklands are just so damn good. And there's always going to be a a certain appeal to them. They're probably not going to move very much because now you have... This would be the fourth Foil Shockland version you have to pick from. So whatever... They end up at is where they're probably going to be. You're not. They're not going to crater. They're not going to crater. Um, no, they're not going to crater at all. They they might go down a few percent, but I I can't imagine. Like if you have some return to Ravnica foil steam vents, which is uh, probably like fifty, forty, uh, forty five. I'm going to guess. See, foil return to Ravnica thirty. Surprising. So, is there anything else in the return? return announcement that you think matters here like is there something else that means something to the players other than just the shock lands uh we are also going to reach the penultimate moment of the gate watches story which means we're finally going to be done with that batch of people and the nickel bolus uh ending of things they're going to move on to uh Phyrexian villains or new villains or something else. And we can, I haven't been a big fan of gate watching storyline. I'll freely admit it. If I wanted um, big old story, I would just go buy the books. Um, I feel like, especially early on, they were really like cramming these few planeswalkers down our throats. And if we can have multiple versions of the same planeswalker in play, then what even is the point? So um, things like, Anything that says Gatewatch on it, uh, there's deploy the Gatewatch and find the gate the two and a white uh, Planeswalker tutor. Um, those in foil, I'd be on. I do have some foil deploy the Gatewatch uh, from, I think I called it on Finance a few months ago. It hasn't done anything. I'm really optimistic about that. But um, anything that really references the Gatewatch or these specific events is going to be hard to reprint hopefully and it says so we have guilds of ravnica in october ravnica allegiance in january and they don't tell us the name of the third one um we're not ready to talk about it yet just know that the setting will be ravnica the focus will be on the culmination of the story and not the guilds so we're going to get at least one set that is not going to have guilds that means it's not going to have shock lands so whatever that's going to mean <laughs> I won't pretend to know what they have in mind for story. I'm still upset. We didn't get married in pure. Yeah. Well, I actually think we could still, I talked about this a week or two ago with James. I commented that now that Karn is, has gotten away and is safe and whatnot, he might go back pure mirrored in, give us married in pure, which would be pretty cool. Nice little treat uh, for everyone who's been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, the end of the Gatewatch is, from a story perspective, will be nice. I think a lot of people are kind of exhausted with that, um, especially because the characters were, I guess, fine. Gideon and Jace, I think, were lame as hell. I think, like, Liliana and Chandra seem to be much more popular cameo than um, the blue and white guy. So that'll be a nice change of pace. Uh, I guess I don't 
I'm not sure how that would matter financially for the most part. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know either. Just we'll have all these folks that we get to move on from. We're not going to get too many more oaths, I guess. So pick up all the oaths uh, cards you want, but really why would I want anything besides oath of Nissa and oath of Teferi? Yeah. Um, all right. So return, 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 return. The takeaway is probably sell uh, your spare shocks. Um, Non-foil shocks. Next up. Yes. Next up is uh, Battle Bond. We got the Battle Bond. We got one spoiler for it. Uh, I don't think we got any information we basically didn't already know, but we did see that the card has partner, but it is uh, a different type of partner. So keep that in mind. Um, It's partner with a specific card. So this will not work with your other partners from the last commander, from the other commander product. Uh, it will only work with um, the other, the card that it partners with. So the one that they spoiled, this green guy who is a three mana, one, one hardened scales only partners with the exact other card. Um, and he partners in the way that when you, he comes into play, you search your library for the other card and put it in your hand. Um, which is kind of a cool fact. I saw somebody laugh about Green Sun Zenith for in it. Green Sun Zenithine for him in Legacy, which I guess you can do, although that does seem bad. Uh, it'll be curious to see what else comes out of this. What counters um, do they want to add in Legacy? Uh, I don't think that it, that even matters. <laughs> I think it was just, I can Green Sun Zenith for it. And uh, do this. You're, you're stretching there, but all right. Uh, whoever that was. I didn't come up with it. I just saw Fair somebody enough. mention it. Um, there's it's a new way to play stuff. If you open one, you'll always open the other one in the same pack. So you're going to really hope this will wheel. And uh, that's more of a gameplay thing. In Two-Headed Giant Draft, you and your teammate pick two cards at a time, so you can always take the partners together. And you can, and you can say target player. It's not just I search it up to go find the other one. It's target player. That's a... That's a creepy oh. thing. And they're all going to be uh, uncommon or higher. And let's see. There was... Uh, they're changing the amount of packs you're going to do. It used to be um, five packs per team to draft. And now you're going to have uh, four for draft and six per team for sealed. So that it's easier to do. And that's about it until we get to preview season for this on, oh my God, Monday. Great. Uh, this yeah, is also, soon. also the set with the, um, with the new duels. Uh, what do you mean the new duels? The ones that uh, they tap for two colors. They come into play tapped unless you have uh, two or more opponents. Oh, right, right, right. The uh, Crowdlands. Crowdlands. I like Crowdlands. Excuse the crowd. Not searchable. Still good. Would never be sad to play them. Um, okay. So uh, definitely an opportunity to see some cool cards show up in this set. Uh, but until they come through, we don't really know. It does seem like we're positioned to get some uh, very nifty commander cards in general in here. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a couple standouts that people are going to be attracted to for a while. Yeah, this this strikes me as a, uh, a Conspiracy 2 kind of thing where... The boxes are going to be dirt cheap, and there's going to be one or two like really chase foils, because 
you're going to start off with the non-foils and you're really going to want the foils. And uh, I would say there's not going to be a lot to target financially for long-term growth, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Depends on what kind of craziness they give us. I think that's a really good read that the boxes are generally going to be cheap, but that there will be a couple real standout cards, sort of like the expropriate type of thing in Leopold. Yeah. Uh, like this is designed for two headed giant. Uh, the last time we had anything even close to that was um, the mechanic where if you or somebody else has played a spell already, it costs less, whatever that was called. Oh, I don't even remember <laughs> in a while. Uh, you get, you get to do X red and you deal X to two targets. It's just crazy. Mm. Um, the Anything you want to mention about Battle Bond? Uh, no, not yet. I mean, the preview start Monday, we'll see what's coming. I think in general, you're probably going to want to stay away from most of the stuff at the start because there will be a lot of product very early on and it's going to be hard to know exactly what people are drawn to right away. Uh, but then, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, but, it, you know, keep an eye out for whatever the... I don't, I don't think there's going to be a Leovold. I think that was probably kind of a a, limit, a a rare occurrence, but I do think there will be an expropriate. Um, and if you can peg that, and we'll try our best, uh, it could do very well for you. <laughs> but. All right, let's talk about the buy a box. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm not a, a fan of this idea at all. Uh, sure, it's okay, but Wizards makes mistakes. We know this. And uh, they're going to continue the promotion. And that means they will continue to give us cards that you can only get if you are buying a box from your local game store. Uh, I'm really, really hoping that this is not the case, that we get some form of supplement, supplemental printing. Um, you got to work it in there somewhere, Wizards, because you're going to screw this up. You're going to make something that you think is too hard a condition to meet, and it's not going to be a problem at all. You know, Treasure Cruise. You could have made that cost 10 mana, and people would have been all over it. Yes, uh, I, I, I was very dismayed to see this announcement. Um, it, you know, we've talked about it on this cast before, that basically you're, you're opening the door to all sorts of problems, and it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to occur, but you're really dancing with the devil here, and to what end, I don't, I don't think it's, it's worth it. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe they do six or seven of these before they discontinue the program and, uh, it never causes a problem. Great. That works out well for everyone. Uh, but we don't know if that will happen. And, um, you know, treasure cruise is a perfect example of, they're not always going to balance the cards correctly. Uh, and they said like, we, you know, they're with the card that they printed, it was clear that it wasn't intended to be a, uh, a standard relevant card, right? Like it's not supposed to be a big standard card, but their goal is to print cards as the buy box promo that are interesting enough that players want to own them, but not interesting enough that players want to play them in standard, which is kind of a fine line, right? Like it has to be good enough for you to play, but not good enough for you to play in standard. So it, yeah, it'll be really easy to step on the wrong side of that line and print something that makes that is just way too good. And it only has to happen once for that to be disastrous. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned with how this could go. Maybe it won't be, maybe they'll get to the other side of this and they won't ruin anything, but uh, I don't love the, uh, the possibilities here. Me neither. I'm also, um, why did they decide they had it? They had to test this principle out with what they knew would be a super popular set. 
I mean, it seems unlikely that they wouldn't know that Dominaria was going to be the best-selling set in the last year. And they decide now we're going to do this thing to, to try and goose box production, which does not seem logical to me at all. Um, you would try this on a set that it's like the, uh, the masterpieces. You don't need masterpieces on a set that's going to sell anyway. And trying to add that value uh, here uh, with Dominaria as a start and say, well, look how great it's working. Well, because Dominaria was going to sell anyway. So I, I don't like their whole thought process on all, all of their thought process on this seems bad. Well, that's a, that's a curious perspective, Cliff, because the answer for why would they do that is because uh, they make more money. <laughs> like, yeah, well, not gonna... was going to make a lot of money, but if they do this now, they think they can make even more money. Uh, all right. Um, fair enough. That's... I understand <laughs> why. Like, I'm not surprised. At that. Gonna... No, you're right. You're exactly right. I just, I don't know why it, yeah, you're right. No, it's, that it is going to sell more. And I don't want it to, I don't want their buy a box cards to be good. I want them all to be bad because I don't want to have to deal with, uh, what would it, what would it be? Um, imagine something like Teferi as the buy a box is kind of your worst case scenario. What would he be? 80? hundred? Uh, yeah, probably a hundred. I would guess it's hard to say. Cause I don't, we don't have a, a great feel for the print run at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think a hundred dollars is probably within the realm of possibility, man. And then you're, you're opening yourself up to, uh, local game stores are just like, Hmm, I have this stack of hundred dollar cards here, but I can only give away when I sell a box. Well, let's see what my friend can do on eBay. So I don't think this is a good idea under any perspective. Uh, I hope it works out and I'm terribly afraid it won't. Yeah. I think that they're going to overdo it, print it, a card that's too good. It's going to be uh, some ridiculous hundred dollar card. They'll ban it and stop the program. Yeah. That's, that's how I see it going. The one, the one thing here is that it, we still haven't um, gotten very far past Dominari yet. So if Wizards is planning on putting the Sunspeaker card, the first buy box promo in another product somewhere else um, a couple months later to expand the supply, uh, it's possible that that's still in the pipe and we just haven't seen it yet, which would help considerably. So that's still an option. Uh, we, they just might not have had time to bear out yet. So I'll give them the, we can give them kind of the benefit of the doubt on that, but you know, maybe not. What, how long would it, like you couldn't put this in the challenger deck a year later, that wouldn't be good enough. So it'd have to be sometime in the next two sets, like the next six months, call it. Yeah, I would say basically by the time the next set comes out, six months is probably pushing it. Six months would be enough time for it to be a problem, uh, yeah. but but not long enough that you know you couldn't see the end of the at the other end of the tunnel. Yeah, that that rules out stuff like judge promos too. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and a judge promo is not going to have enough quantity to to matter, anyways. Probably not. Um, uh, what else is going on on this announcement? Oh, I just hate everything about it. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing is the uh, the release of the Chinese product with China, like cards for the China for the Chinese market, which is fine, but they're only legal in China. So before I 
start venting, Travis, why don't you tell me what you think? And maybe I can just agree with you because I don't want to vent all over people again. Okay. Well, if, if it wasn't, if you guys didn't catch this, they're releasing product specifically for China uh, with art by Chinese artists. And uh, they're very kind of, I guess, Chinese culturally inspired cards, uh, which is cool. It's fine. No problem with this. I think it's nifty to see. Uh, we're so used to seeing like Western and um, like American and Western European cultural influences in magic. You know, Theros obviously pulled very hard on like the Greek um, mythologies. Uh, as a, For example, uh, Dominar or Ravnica pulls on Eastern Europe, um, things of that nature. So we're starting to, you know, coming out was really one of the only sets that pulled from Eastern influences. So this is a, a nifty, a nifty exploration into the Southern market, um, you know, helps expand the international borders of the game. What's really odd here. And let me read you this sentence. Uh, Zhang Yanglu, which I'm murdering, I'm sure. And Mu Youngling, which are the two planeswalkers that were revealed, will only be standard legal in China. They will not be standard legal anywhere else. So if you are in China, you can play these cards at FNM. If you are not in China, you can't. Uh, now, these two particular cards don't seem like they're good enough for standard. So Wizards is sort of towing that line of like, let's make really weird rules that hopefully won't matter because they won't come up competitively. It's still a really odd decision to make. Uh, I'm going to go with terrible. I'm going to go with a terrible idea. Like, I don't understand why they couldn't just make them legal and standard everywhere because they are being printed in English and are showing up in local stores. Now, if these were not going to be sold here in America, um, I guess the announcement makes a, the decision makes a little more sense because it's like you don't want to make cards legal in America that your American market doesn't have access to. Uh, that could be messy, but they're putting them in the stores over here. So, like, why is it that much of a problem? And you know that your distribution networks exist. So even if you're doing a small run in America, players can still find them online from international distributors. Uh, so the, the 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 regional aspect of this is just so confusing, and I don't I don't know what the GP schedule is. I didn't look, but are there any GPs in China like after this comes out? So like suddenly standards legal, it's a different standard format there than it is here. And then there's all sorts of wild corner cases like uh, what happens if you play Magic in Tibet, right? Like drawing this based <laughs> on political boundaries is is messy, um, and I I, th I think it's a bad idea, just like the buy box promos, but probably less likely to matter ultimately because they're printing them in English over here. Uh, so I guess I guess a bad decision, but doesn't seem like it will matter that much. Uh, just like you said, the buy box promos are uh, a gateway into terrible ideas. Um, I don't like the philosophy of dividing up the game that literally has gathering in the name. I don't have to be able to read your card name to know what it does. Like I can do that off the picture and we do that a lot when we play internationally, you can take your cards and go anywhere in the world and everything is the same. It's standard. And now you are subdividing and you are creating an in group and an out group, which is a terrible, terrible fucking idea. And I, I don't know who got paid off. I don't know what the mindset was. I, it doesn't matter. 
This is dividing up magic players. And like you said, these planeswalkers, they're neat, but they're not overpowered. I mean, it's going to, even the blue one is going to take you uh, four turns to draw four cards. And that's not what a blue player is going to want. The green one's uh, very uh, uninspiring as well. But the same, at the same time, like just that they're willing to consider something like this is problematic is the most polite word I can do. And really fucking stupid is what I want to say. What, what is, what do we lose by making them legal? That's my question. What, what, what did we miss out on by making these legal everywhere? Were we afraid that they were going to be too expensive everywhere else? I, I don't know. I really don't. That's a good question. It's just, is why? Like, why not just make them legal and standard? Uh, is it to give the Chinese market something that feels unique? They're not unique because we're all going to be able to buy them. They're going to make these available as Planeswalker decks. Um, they're going to be available in English. Um yeah, the global series is going to be available uh, for everyone. And really worrisome is, so this is China only. Great. God help us if we get U.S. only or Japan only. Right? That that just, oh, there's nothing good about this. It's a bad precedent. They might not go anywhere else with it. You know, this might be sort of the the start and end of it. Uh, you know, a couple Chinese products, a couple of weird cards that are only legal in China um, that, that never really has an impact. Uh, if they start, the only other way to go about this, I think, would be to lean really hard into it and say, okay, we're releasing six different geographic products and having six regional standards. And like, that's the appeal. Like, you want to travel to play these different standards. I mean, I could, they could go that way, uh, but that's still very odd, um, especially because then I'm like, oh, I'm in America, and why am I watching this Japanese Grand Prix? Because the standard they're playing is irrelevant because there's cards in that standard format that I can't legally play. So this event means nothing to me. Um, that's, that's even worse. And it, right, right. So, so you, I can see you can kind of like see a glimpse of like what what this would look like if they really leaned into it. But then it's like your viewership would be awful. Nobody would care about events overseas. Uh, I, I let me. It's just such an odd. Let choice. me ask you a semi personal question, Travis. Have you moved to a new place and sought out the local game shop? Uh, not yet, but it is on my horizon. It's something that could happen. So, if you move to a new place, it would be one of the things you did, correct? Uh, probably, yeah. When you go on vacation, you go to the shops, not just for browsing uh, financial opportunities, but you go and you meet people, and you can break out your commander deck and you can play. Um, and I having... most certainly do not, but I, I trust that people do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, philosophically speaking, the idea that there's some, I, I don't, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but the, the idea that you you're dividing us up when the game is literally called Gathering just seems really dumb yeah well you know the kkk gathers too i guess so bro that escalated really quickly let's uh well you know gatherings don't have to be uh friendly i guess was my point but yeah i, I your your perspective on it from a, a more of a a the game as an ambassador type of thing is is uh i hadn't really thought about but it's a good point um all right anything else on your mind this week cliff 
No, man, that that announcement day had uh, a lot of fun and a lot of what? So I yeah. think we're good to go. That was a, a real mixed bag as far as magic announcement days go. Like basically no products announced that people were excited about. The fall set reveal, something we all knew was coming. Uh, and other than that... No commander update, no telling us what kind of commanders to look yeah, for. Just an odd choice all around, I think, but that's where we are. All right, so uh, that's a wrap this week uh, for episode 119. Where can people find you online again, Travis? I already forgot. I'm on Twitter at Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday at MTG Price with the Watchtower series, and I do the webcast Cartel Aristocrats. You can find me on Twitter at Word of Commander. I have the Friday column, Casual Fridays. Uh, Travis, how long have you been doing that now? You started right before I did, didn't you? Uh, on MTG Price? Yeah. Uh, so I just looked. It was June 2013. So this will be the fifth year. Yeah, I've, I'm July 2013. That's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find uh, both of us. Uh, and I would like to remind our listeners to check out the MTG Price Pro Trader service for just $5 a month or $50 a year. You can get early access to this podcast. Fantastic articles by some of the best MTG finance minds in the business and a sweet deal of online collection management and buy tools that will drive better returns and help you save money playing Magic the Gathering. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Uh, let me know every time James is snowed in or something or other, and I'll be happy to come in and rant about all kinds of stuff. Sounds great. Thank you very much for coming, Cliff. It was a pleasure to have you, uh, and I will see you guys next week on another episode of MPG Fast Finance. Thank you.